Hello and welcome to the behind the scenes episode of the Mortal Path. Did we decide on a title? Were we going to go with behind the Mortal Path or uh, under the it was, Mortal Path? It was under the boardwalk. It was no, uh, down by just, the sea. It was beneath on a blanket beneath with my D and D party. I think you just said that, Ed, and no one responded. Yeah. In the Mortal that's, Brush. That's rare. In the Mortal what? Brush. Oh, I in the Mortal <laughs> Brush. Crawling <laughs> through bush. the Mortal Bushes. <laughs> Getting down in the mortal bush. Oh no! No, not that one. Thanks. No. In, in the mortal wink. Okay. That's... Wink. Sorry. Getting mortal. Getting mortal. We can just. We getting mortal's not bad. I mean, how about of... we let the listeners decide? I mean, Ed, you are kind of assuming that we'll have listeners. I won't listen to this, but I'm sure someone will. <laughs> uh, we could just call it. Who the fuck we are? Someone has to follow up. Okay. Uh, I'm Ed. I'm your idiot. Yeah, that's fair. I'm Gary. I'm confused. I'm Kitty, and I'm the old person who doesn't know what they're doing. But you did manage to get into this call, though. You made it. You got here. I did. did. I did. I did. I mean, I have had some practice. I've been walked through it several times by young people who understand the (laughs) zeros and ones. You are doing a very good job, all of you. (laughs) Um, But as I said, I am the DM, so I'm sort of playing everyone that these three are not playing. And do you guys want to kind of introduce like your characters a little bit? We're sort of assuming that you've probably listened to the first episode or at least kind of half of it and then gone, hold on, I don't actually understand any of this. I'm going to listen to the behind the scenes first. Or you've listened to all three and then gone for the behind the scenes. Or you're just not listening at all. <laughs> I, think, I think very few of the people listening to this this broadcast are list, not listening to anything. It's very difficult. Let's hope so. Very difficult. I would be impressive. I can say with fair confidence that um, my D&D character is a lot more interesting than me. So realistically, if you were looking for a way to entertain your ears, the episodes are probably better than this. On that note, why not describe your D&D character? (laughs) Okay, well, the information that I was given by Yubi before we started the game was that we were going to try and put together a low magic campaign. Mm. Um, I am very new to playing D&D. I'm a member of like one long running game, which is also run by Yubi. Um, and I've done a couple of one shots. Um, yeah, I mean, the initial draw for me was was hey, magic, and it's not real magic, but everybody in the room at least agrees that the same piece of magic is happening. And it's like, yeah, that sounds like something I want to do, um, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, but then, as I say, we were told that this was going to be a low magic campaign, so I thought, right, mm. okay, let's see, let's see, let's see if I can put together a character that specifically isn't a caster, isn't magical. So, Nerium is a rogue. And then, of course, in the first episode, I woke up and I discovered that the other two people playing were both full casters. So I'm quite jealous and things may alter as we go on. I think that's really interesting because I definitely <laughs> said that it was it was a low magic world. 
not necessarily going to be a low magic campaign, just that the world itself was low magic as a setting. As, as I think, somebody like, who has no real experience in this game, that, that probably was enough to confuse me. That's fair enough. <laughs> that's fair enough. So we have uh, Nerium, who, who as eagle-eared? No, what's the thing with good hearing? Owl. No. Owl-eared. As owl-eared listeners may have noticed, although we keep saying Nerium, and by we, I do mean me, I do keep saying <laughs> Nerium, uh, Nerium is not currently the name uh, that uh, Kitty's character is, is going. I think it's Meredith, Mary Burrows? Yes. Is is what she's going with so far. So you must pardon me for my constant <laughs> Because that was also a curveball for me. So I was suddenly like, okay, that's fine. I'll put that in with all of my notes for the I'm first episode. Sorry. I just thought you were being it's an idiot, right. honestly. I, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, same. That's fair. That's generally how it, it was. It's in it's in her backstory. It's something that she, it's a name that she's used mm. before. So. Oh, I thought that's you said it's in Yubi's backstory. To be an idiot. Yeah. I, I, yeah. The idiot god. I wouldn't dream of delving into Yubi's backstory. Yeah, let's never go there, ever. No, mm. don't do that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, who wants to go next? We've had Nerium. Gary does. Gary does. Okay, I'm Gary. Um, I met Yubi and Ed at uni. And actually with Ed is where I started my role-playing <laughs> world. Um, that sounds dodgy. That sounds very that sounds dodgy. <laughs> It sounded like fun. Please elaborate. I mean, it was a lot of fun. We uh, we played some uh, mutants and masterminds, I believe it was. Yes, I can confirm. We did. And my first character was Jerome J. Jerome. uh, Whose name made a comeback here. Yeah, there was a little Um, reference to that, an homage, if you will. Yes. Let's see. Natalia. I like the idea of being a human because I don't think I've ever been a human in a and d world. Mm. Um, So I thought... Go for that. I like this idea of, in a low magic world, someone who doesn't have magic but wants it mm. and is willing to do sort of, to an extent, whatever it takes to get it. And so that's why I like the idea of a warlock, kind of someone like willing to sacrifice to become greater. Um, now, I will point out, two days ago, Yubi and I saw, and no spoilers <laughs> here, don't worry, Yubi and I saw <laughs> The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh my god, you were prepared to sit in a cinema with Yubi watching The Last Jedi. I know, Yay! I regret it. You're no, it was great, it was great. I my arm was like, numb at the end. I only like smacked you a hundred million times when I excited. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, I've accidentally created some kind of pseudo-ray. <laughs> awesome though. And I don't know if you people have seen it yet. Oh. No. No spoilers. Just just look out for some stuff. Yeah, there were definitely happens. points where I like when we turned to each other we were like, oh <laughs> Actually, again without spoilers, there is there is a scene uh which you guys listening to this episode, if you've seen The Last Jedi, where I swear to God, I've got the dates on the files. We yeah. record I've got writings down from months ago where <laughs> I wrote this scene and then it kind of happened a bit in The Last Jedi and I was like, Oh my god. That's so, so cool though, that's just how incredibly in touch with the zeitgeist you, you are. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually I'm so deep in the Star War that actually I actually wrote The Last oh. Jedi and I didn't even know it. <laughs> I think you're just deep in the geek. Yeah, deep in the geek. Well. That's what we Deep in the geek. Deep in the geek. Oh, no. Deep in the geek. Oh, no. It's I time regret to get ever having spoken those words. Deep in the geek. <laughs> I like that you 
kind of said that in Tara's voice a little bit. I can't help it. I just slip into it because it's my bus voice. Your bus voice? Okay, so vague backstory to this. Uh, when I first went to university, uh, as, a, as a youthful and scared child, uh, I, I wanted to become in touch with the, the common man. Very, This is coming across very badly, and it should. Um, but I had a voice I would do whenever I was getting the bus. Um, and that voice has lives on in 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 the character Taro, who are <laughs> your voice. Your voice is a sort of bad cocky. Yeah, <laughs> that is Ed. You sweet, precious boy. That's one of what the most endearing think? things I have ever heard in my life. What did you think it would do? What did you think that voice would bring to you and your fellow passengers? It became un- became subconscious, right? I I didn't mean to do it. It just would happen whenever <laughs> I was getting on a bus. I just sort of lace it with a kind of kind of pseudo accent. Um, All right, mate. You laugh, but yes, that literally that. I, I, can I say, uh, being a uh, pansy southerner who lives in Yorkshire now, I walked into the butchers, attempted to buy sausages. Which is not a difficult word to pass when you work in a butcher's. And I had to repeat myself three times because she couldn't work out what I was trying to buy. Oh, bless. After that point, I did kind of turn to my husband, who is from Yorkshire originally, and go, uh, next time you buy the sausages, sorry. Just smooth things over a little bit. Yeah. Just make I, it all easier. I have a feeling if I'd walked in and attempted a Yorkshire accent, I would have left even faster and probably without my sausages. <laughs> probably, probably. But speaking of, no, there's nothing to do with sausages or sausages. It's been back like five seconds. We could segue easy, easy. <laughs> Unfortunately, you fucked it all up by talking about sausages. So sorry. Well, there we go. Anyway, uh, you can cut that. With, it's not an interesting story. It's a good one. It's a very interesting story. Uh, speaking of sausages, Taro. Yeah, Taro, aka Mr. Sausage, is my character. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I've basically been watching, I've been binging the anime Kaiji, and I was like, this guy sucks, I'm going to play as this guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's basically just trash, that's kind of my, my description. Uh, I kind of wanted to be an asshole, I'm quite bad at being an <laughs> asshole, um, but that's the aim. Oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, called out. <laughs> Yes. Oh come on! You cannot give a feed line like that and expect any other. <laughs> really response. set you up for that one. Um, <laughs> All right, yeah. he in pieces, my guy. He's guys. a bard. That's kind of he does spells. Oh, he's a bard. He's a bard yeah. 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 Secret, okay. big secret. Um, the trick is, I'm just very bad at playing characters that aren't just go and hit things. And 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 I've explicitly rolled Taro as a never hit things. Don't do that. <laughs> so that will be interesting in the fact that in every combat encounter. It's not gonna work. Uh, so just be ready for it. I did. Um, actually, I had a one thing that I said to you guys was, um, and actually, this is this is a good point: is that you guys did not know who each of you were playing apart from yourselves until we recorded. So yep. you guys had no idea what other people's class, race, anything was, and even in the first episode you guys were still trying to work it out. I think the only one that uh, was obvious was Natalia because of the the book in, in Natalia's backstory with the page on Warlock that I said. And people who know 
a fair amount about Dungeons and Dragons will know that like warlocks make pacts and that's sort of what happened with the mirror scene. Mm. Also, near near the end, um uh, Kitty rolled a sneak attack. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So so Kitty kind of and also Kitty wasn't a spellcaster, which that's the one like thing that I kind of spoiled when I said I think I said you're not a spellcaster, yeah. which I was like, Oh, afterwards, but I was laughing, so it's really hard to edit that out. It just sounds weird. Sounds like something just goes, ha <laughs> Midlands. It's not a good sound. Um, and uh, I, I think, I think Kitty actually. I think you worked out what Taro was, but yeah. but Gary, you hadn't worked out until I think like a minute ago. What no, and I, I'd worked out because I'm horrible. I know I have a really, really bad tendency to want to meta game, and I <laughs> squash it as hard as I can. But I remember sitting there thinking, "What is Taro exactly? He's got magic and." Uh, oh, dexterity saving throws. And I'm really sorry, but that was the bit that I was like, ah, ah. good at dexterity saving throws. That'll be a bard then. Very nice. But it is really funny because sorry. I looked at all of your stats. When, Of course, when you were like building your characters, you kind of told me, you know, the race and the class. Um, and one thing that you all kept kind of saying to me was like, how's the composition? How's the party <laughs> composition? And I was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it, which is great because now you've got two learning spellcasters. You've got two people who have got really, really bad strength and like smacking things stats. And you've got one person who's really good at smacking things and no certified medics. No. Or tanks. Or tanks. You've got no tanks. You've got no medics. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, and you're all you're all relatively squishy because of yeah. your classes and your uh, races, which I just I love that though. I thought that was really great. I yeah. thought it was really interesting. So and really, think... when we when we all came to you and said, you know, how's the composition? Are we well balanced and everything? And you kept saying, oh yeah, no, you're gonna be fine. You have no problems. And then we all turn up as three limp noodles. <laughs> go, oh good, oh good. No, that's gonna be fine. That'll work perfectly. Three limp noodles who almost killed each other <laughs> in the first episode. <laughs> Three limp noodles with poor impulse control. Great. Yeah. Speaking of uh, almost kind of killing each other in the first episode, this is probably a good point to say that we are playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, but with Xanathar's Guide. So those of you who've got the new book um, and who are kind of, you know, looking up what's happening, you'll maybe be kind of seeing bits of... of um, aspects and spells from the new guide i also put have put in and will be putting in quite a lot of homebrew stuff so there's a mix of stuff that i've made up that we'll have to see how it works in game it might be totally broken at which point whoopsies it's just gonna punish <laughs> me really um and there's stuff that i've got that's been play tested but is unofficial material uh, but it's homebrew but i will be kind of you know referencing those sort of things uh when and if they come up but i just think it's really fun to do Mm. homebrew i really like it and speaking again of homebrew how do you guys feel about me plonking you in the middle of a homebrew universe that i just went you know what i know for my first ever game that i gm'd i created i think four continents over 200 cities and over 200 places of interest and everyone was like that's a bit much for a first game and i was like yeah don't worry like eight yeah Yeah, but they're great (laughs) I've got a list of places you could go. And uh, and then for this one, I was like, do you know what? You know, you're totally right. I'm just going to chill. Gonna Here's a universe. Here's a universe. Here are planets. Here are everything. I think, I think um, my favorite part about you homebrewing an entire universe <laughs> is your charming 
absolute <laughs> absence of any grip at all on any aspect of physics or astrophysics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going great, honestly. Um, I'm, I mean, I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Navigation's going to be really fucking simple in this world because the shadows won't move. So you just follow the bit where the grass is dead behind you and you're oh, heading towards the sun oh, end. Yeah. This is... This There's is all very... kinds of implications. <laughs> There's a lot of implications, and we should just avoid them altogether. Yeah. One of my favourite implications very... is that just inexplicably in this universe, north and south are called east and west. I, this, they're no different, an but they just that's... got different names here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm the ideas guy. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm not the yep, I'm are. not the building things guy. You know, I mean, G- Gary said that that listen, all you need to do is say moons every time someone says how does it work. You just say moons. Okay, that specifically was about because we're on the the like equator, which yeah. is, and the... you were thinking that's always going to be dark. Yeah. Um, but if you got two suns, that's in fact always going to be light. Um, and so the way to get around it, I've just said moons. Just go with moons. moons. There's like moons obstructing just it. Lots of, moons, of moons. big moons. I've got I've got a cheat spell for you. Just say destructive interference, and then it's fine. That's it. Okay. I I know <laughs> what those two words mean in isolation, but I don't know what they it mean together. It, which is great because that's how I approach most you don't science. Need to know. Magic. It's magic. It's magic. Spell did it. It's magic. Uh, but yeah, so basically, I, I homebrewed a universe which aesthetically ten out of ten, <laughs> but like physically working-y, not very good at all. Actually, actually very bad physicy, physics-wise bad, but ideas-wise solid. Solid. Because basically, it's just like an inverted world on its side, and I was like, that'll work. Everything could just move 90 degrees and turn inside out. That works. It's a cool concept. I like the fact that there are two sides to it and there's a wall in the middle and uh, it's two two worlds on one planet is is a cool idea. Thank you. Uh, But you, yeah, so basically I'm going to, I'll put it right here. The science is not going to work. That's fine. I'm chill with that. Um, And the answer is moons and destructive interference. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just, just don't worry. Just don't worry. Also magic. Hakuna uh, but, Matata. Exactly. <laughs> what but to give you... <laughs> to give you... Very good. <laughs> so to give you a very brief description of the universe as it is, if you... And all of... I just... We're on Google Hangout, so I can see everyone's face. And it's great, because they're going to go for kind of like gentle blank, just incredulous, like, oh, you be. But I want you to imagine two suns, and for reasons of moons, ma- destructive magic interference, and also because I want it to... They are. They don't move further away from each other. Right in the middle is Alfalan, trapped between these two suns, which is the planet that all of you are on. Alfalan does not orbit, but it does rotate on an axis. You guys chime in if I get a word wrong, okay? Um, and orbiting around the two suns are various planets that go around those suns. But Alfalan itself is sort of stuck in the middle. That's pretty much all you need to know. And there's a whole load of moons there's that just have so erratic orbits. I hope, Very good I hope orbits. we never go to the sea. Because... <laughs> I, I, well, that is another aspect of it, isn't it? You know? No, listen, Where's the, the water sea, and how does it work? Yeah, It works because it's wet and there are probably things living in it that is my greatest fear, which means we will definitely come across them. Because I've realised <laughs> that the one thing I do in D&D is I go, what am I the most afraid of? Let's just do that for a long time. 
so I will tweet out at some point a picture of like my very bad sketch of the universe so you guys have some idea. But all you need to know is the thing about Alphalan, it's cold in the middle. The It's hot on either side for the most part at the what would be the poles, I guess. Um, but they're hot. And also that because of the moons and other planets causing solar eclipses, we can do some really fun stuff with like how long nights and days last and things like that so basically it's yeah. going to work aesthetically it's not going to work science wise and like that's just going to have to be okay because i can't fix that because it doesn't work it's just magic moons and destructive interference but speaking of the world um and your creative inputs you guys actually all homebrewed where you came from in your backstories um and you created i think also each of you actually named a moon um as well or at least you should have done and sent it to me which i need to find out so I gave you the the kind of brief that this was what the planet looked like and gave you guys total free reign of any country, how big or how small you wanted to create uh, your places. And I don't want you guys to go into too much detail uh, at the moment because I want you to kind of get to them in game, so to speak, and all of that. But the reason that I wanted you to do that was so that you would have a very kind of deep, innate knowledge of the places that you came from because you made them. It wasn't me being like, okay cool character here's your whole backstory here's your past here's where you're from i wanted you guys to kind of do that basis so that you could then build your experiences and your character off that local knowledge of the land and you guys you all did great actually you did fantastic you created although again no spoilers three really different places that i could fit in really easily with the world and i'm really excited for uh, when you guys get there out of interest who's like massive fucking document is the most massive because Ooh, i mean probably mine i think it's probably count. yours actually i'd hope so i think it's yeah. probably yours yes i'm the because, champ well but that's because i did a lot of work with gary's like in person so like gary and i live mm-hmm. relatively close to each other so we did a fair amount uh in also, person yeah a lot of my document is still bullet points that i need to expand on yeah exactly uh we did um so basically i think like ed you did more kind of like writing about the the place itself and like the history and the traditions and then uh gary and um kitty both situated themselves very deeply in it for reasons that make sense for your backstories there's a slight difference in like what details i got where and when which was really fun because when so we also re-recorded some 15 what i called 15 minute scenarios uh which is basically where i wrote a couple of scenes out from people's backstories from the stories that you gave me and we played through them so that you guys could workshop your voices your characters uh start to kind of get your your stats in place so that we would have like a backup for like or like a reason for why you could hit things or not hit things and it makes sense in in tarot's backstory but we did quite a lot of like character work on tarot and not a lot of like what happened in like various places and then with uh Nerium and with Natalia we it was slightly different and maybe we'll release them one day but there's very shaky audio I'm still learning how to edit and uh there are some points that's just a bit it's like well that's just a bad sound that we all made oh, there yep yep so definitely. Re- release the tapes <laughs> release don't the do tapes. it don't do it maybe one I day think also as far as Nerium's run is concerned the i don't think we got past the mm. point where she was about 16 yeah and in game she's 39 so she's a very different person than absolutely, she was absolutely absolutely we, we did quite a lot of like early work on on her and then didn't do a lot of later work uh which yeah. is really interesting actually because she is a different person for sure 
speaking of the the campaign and and everything the kind of plan that i have for the whole thing is it's a long campaign style so i've got um basically i've i've got your ending but the ending is subject to lots of things i'm gonna get into a little bit later i've got the idea of the ending but how you get there and what actually happens is going to be totally up to you and you guys might die before you get there. So it might even be three totally different people who end up there. Or, or three ghosts. Or, <laughs> or three ghosts. It might just be three ghosts. Or, or we can do a critical role and every time someone dies, they are miraculously brought back no matter how high the DC yeah we're gonna i have to i have to have a little think about what we're going to do about that when we get to it because of course like what like in the first episode yeah like in the first episode where i was like i'm just going to change the rules of fifth ed for this one but actually gary's come up with a really good system of inflicting wounds uh, that make a little bit more sense in terms of the story that we're playing uh, than like death saving throws like you get knocked out you do death saving throws and then you pop up at one hp uh which i'm going to i think i'm going to implement um but i kind of want to bring it in in a more organic way than just kind of give you guys the sheet and be like okay prepare for this so you'll you'll see but that's cool. that's gary's own system and it's really good and we use it in in uh, his homebrew game um and it really works actually it can be it's really funny because like actually my character suffered quite a few of like these like big wounds and it can it can be very frustrating but it makes really good sense in the game um yeah and i like it a lot and if we're doing a more like story driven campaign then i think it works which again is what i'm really interested in so i really there's two things that i'm really into in dnd one is character development for the players and the other is like the question of choice and that really is what's going to like sum up this campaign for me as you guys will have heard if you've listened to the first one to have many episodes before you listen to this there are a lot of choices that happen very early on and those may seem arbitrary or they may seem really important or they may seem like inconsequential but i'm really into the idea of what matters in DD because of course as a dm you have to have like a plan for each episode and you have to have an overall plan for the campaign or at least i believe that i have to have that in order to do a podcasted one but you guys never know what choices matter and what's going to change the course of the game and what's going to come up later and what's just going to be forgotten and i think that's Mm. super interesting and so that's kind of what i want to explore in the podcast is autonomy and development for you guys that's very interesting i'm very aware that um although she looked through one of the two doors the white door she walked through the green Mm. one and then when they got to the chests she opened the green one. She didn't even look in the white yeah. one. So she has no idea what the contrast point was. Whereas everybody else has a little bit of a clue, however small. I mean, I know tarot's are things that he doesn't remember. But they've got a little bit of clue of what the divergence on the path was. And Nerium has no idea. Yeah. And actually, so you guys mentioned metagaming before. But my God, you guys are so good at not doing it in-game. Like, honestly, you guys are fantastic. And I'm... A, grateful, and be proud. I'm proud. I've literally no idea what you're talking about to being proud for. So, so, um, 
thank you very much for me not doing the thing that I didn't know what it is that I was doing. So, yet again, I've really nailed it this time. You've done a great job. You, you're really good, all of you, at um, I will say something, and then rather than all of you going, okay, I know this now, you will then kind of act it out. You will, you will go through it as the characters, which is fantastic. Because like I said, that's... I think that's one of the most fun things about doing it, is that you don't do the obvious correct answer to the puzzle mm. you go no no i'm i'm playing somebody with a different set of skills to me who is experiencing this in a world rather than as a description yeah and what what choice are they going to make are they going to do the stupid thing or are they going to do you know and i think that's part of the fun absolutely of it. that that's right it's our characters who are the idiots in this in this setup. <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes. That's it. That's it. You can blame it all on the characters. Um, but actually, that fits in really well with like my idea of... Um, and this is just my personal kind of belief on DMing. And it's not the one play style and, and it's not like judging anyone else's. But my personal belief is that a DM has two jobs. Or at least I say that I have two jobs as a DM. One is to create a good and fun sandbox for all of you guys to throw little spades around and to kind of make little plastic buckets of sandcastles and stuff in. And the other is to give you guys space and hooks for character development. It, I want to focus this around you guys in that sense. It should all be for you guys to explore and to grow and to do things and to make choices and to do all of that. But I, I couldn't do that if you guys weren't so good at role playing. Because if I kind of said something and you guys were all like, cool, and then just waited for me to say the next thing. It wouldn't work, but like you guys, what I think is amazing is like I will say something and like Nerium will kind of go <gasps> like as it happens, and you really kind of bring <laughs> yourselves into it, which makes my job so easy because I can just sit back and be like, run, run free, and you guys <laughs> go my shitty children, <laughs> go go for go my strange, vaguely insulting, big lying children. <laughs> <laughs> for me, a lot of that comes from listening to other podcasts. Mm. Um, and mm. drawing on what I found like enjoyable in them, and listening to their behind the scenes and saying like how they like to do it. So absolutely for me, um, I listen to Dungeons and Randomness, Glass Cannon, and uh, the Magic Tavern, mm. um, and a lot of those have influenced like the way I like to play D and D, especially Dungeons and Randomness and the Glass Cannon. They're a lot more about, don't say, oh, I'm going to cast this. I've got a plus blah. It's more of a, uh, my character looks around and brings their hands up and tries to blast out a force of energy. Yeah, I really like that. That's sort of like visual storytelling. Um, my kind of like main inspirations really, because actually I've listened to a bit of The Glass Cannon. I think I've listened to like one episode of Dungeons and Randomness that, that you recommended, which was great. I just haven't gotten more into it because I haven't got the time. There's a lot of it. There's, There's a so lot much. of it. Um, but I have listened to all of the Adventure Zone, which is what actually got me into D&D, really. And I have watched almost all of Critical Role. So like, it, what's really interesting is like Critical Role and Taz are, like for me at least, in my opinion, they're opposite ends of the spectrum on sort of like how you can mediaize mm. D&D. And I find that really interesting. Um, and I think that that style, like you were saying there, Gary, of that kind of describing things as they happen is what kind of invigorates. Because really, for me, D&D is about communal storytelling. And that's what I want to kind of do with, with you three and to kind of share is 
the creativity and the ability of you guys to basically act. You guys are really good actors um, and how you kind of react and create stories within the kind of vague limitations that I've set out. One of the nice things that I've got, um, because I similarly got into it via Taz and then you made me promise to watch Critical Role and I'm now completely caught up and you... I know. (laughs) Yeah, an interesting thing. Um, But I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about Critical Role particularly, I I, I like Taz because I like the way that they clearly have fun with Mm. it. And that was really encouraging as um, somebody new to it, the fact that you're allowed to get it wrong and mess up and and go, hang on, what am I rolling? How many sides on this dice? Um, But I also like the fact that in Critical Role, it was the first time I think I'd come across people who say, I do this. Mm. Because they they are inhabiting the character enough that they're not saying you know, Magnus rushes in, which is great and works brilliantly in the context of of that group. Um, But um, I think particularly Liam O'Brien saying, you know, I do this and and getting really, really invested in in who he was playing. And it's nice because you feel like it sort of gives you permission to do that yourself. Absolutely. And to, you know, not to feel like you're overdoing it or or being ridiculous. Mm. Well, no, you guys are amazing. Like you are evocative and I mean like, you guys do all of you do really good points but like you would like actually you you change like points in your voice so like there's like once or twice where like Nerium's voice is like wobbled and like Natalia with <laughs> with in the second episode with uh with one of the items in the box when she goes this one this one you know and like and Taro as well with the what eh, hold on like all the different ways in which you guys like <laughs> yeah. actually act out is just so great at bringing it into the story um and i i think that's amazing because that's really kind of what i want to to be doing with a dnd podcast is to create something that is a story to listen to that is evocative and i think you guys do a great job with it no oh, thank you and you do a great job too thank you not with the physics no but, you know, the rest <laughs> no well but speaking of something that that i that i do do that is not physics and i do better than physics um i do want to just spend a, a, like a minute talking about the soundscape and like production values yes yep Wait, what? What are Ed's um, influences? Oh yeah, Ed. What this? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I've listened to Taz, I guess. Uh, I think I've slept through like several. <laughs> wow. Um, no offense to them. Wow. Just, All right. <laughs> I get sleepy. Okay, I get sleepy. Um, yeah, I guess I watch a lot of anime. Uh, <laughs> is that relevant? <laughs> That's relevant, right? Anime is basically just D and D, but without any influence. <laughs> it's. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. We're listening. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I think that the actually, I think I think I'm least interested in the actual setting compared to everyone mm. else. I'm not a massive fan of the whole fantasy setting, which I think is actually why Taz appeals to me more than any of the other ones I've tried. Is because they seem to they don't let the setting get in the way of the stories they want to tell with it. In a lot of the ways, the really the way place where Taz actually got me interested was when the, the end of the first chapter where they just go. Oh, some massive bubble turns up, and we're, we're going to the moon. I was like, okay, I'm hooked. Now. That's it. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm glad I don't this elf shit. I don't give so much of a fuck about. But we're going to the moon. I'm in. I'm in. I'm sold. Actually, I I really like that in Taz as well. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to create a world that had like low magic because I think in D and D, when everybody has the ability to cast spells, magic gets really boring. It becomes really kind of like normal. And that was one thing that I wanted to have 
in this world, although it wasn't necessarily going to be, like I said, a low magic campaign, that it was unusual in the world to have magic. And one of the things that hasn't really come up yet in, in the thing, but I, I've talked a bit about with you guys in the document and the setup that I wrote, is that I want to bring in elements of like machinery and clockwork and, and steamwork and to kind of build that mix of like fantasy in really what is like the epitome of high fantasy, because this is a world reaching its zenith who is learning to kind of put magic and machinery together and to have these kind of mechanical wonders that are half machine and half magic and all of this kind of wow atmosphere for everyone in the world rather than like lord of the rings which is like post-apocalyptic fantasy so that's like after like everyone has like gone and died and the world is dying exactly so and and things that tend to be fantasy like game of thrones again it's like all the the amazing stuff is finished and you're now in like the the dying days of the continent type thing. I kind of wanted to pull it back to kind of that building sense of like, this is really amazing. And that kind of gave me, I feel like the space to do kind of like weird stuff with it. So I also really like that about Taz bringing in those elements of like, there's fantasy and magic, but there's more to it. And it's more... There's also fantasy Costco. Yes, there's also like elements of of sci-fi because I mean, we are all people who consume a lot of media we consume a lot of very different media um there are going to be influences there are going to be homages there are going to be accidental plagiarisms there are going to be you can probably pick apart anything we say and find a reference to something in it because unfortunately we are all products of what we consume at this current point in time to be fair um depending on who you conversation you pick apart Going through Ed's references, uh, good luck. Yeah. It's going to lead you down a dark path if you manage it. Yeah. This, is, this is cyberbullying. I'm being cyberbullied. I won't hesitate to call the cybercops. And who are the cybercops? Um, they're the police on, online. Okay, you know. that's fair. They, they the fight cops. the cyberpunks. You, you have to dial... They, they do work closely with the cyberpunks, yeah. Uh, you have to dial 999, but in digital. So. Oh, okay. In binary or like... In digital, oh, you have to type in, in digital, like on a digital watch. Oh. You get your, you know, yeah. that makes sense. Just like that. Okay, thank you yeah. for letting me know. Uh, Just in case, uh, they probably won't help you. <laughs> <laughs> They've already got me on a record. But speaking of like sci-fi and and um, things that don't fit into your typical fantasy, that's actually something that I wanted to do with the the music. So I actually I do the the soundscape um, and I do the post production. So we record it. Everybody records an individual track, sends it to me. I spend 800 years getting very angry at various little noises that people involuntarily make in my own head and then make a thousand myself. And I'm like, God damn it, who is who is coughing on this audio track? Oh, it's me. Um, but I do all of the, the music for it as well. Um, I am not a professional music maker. Fun fact, I got a U in my AS level composition. So uh, wow. I was so bad, they wouldn't mark it. But look where we are now. Um, but so also, I'd... in case any of you lovely listeners are thinking, ah, this UV, they're great at computers and technology. UV, what does your oh, screen no. look like? Don't do this. What does yes. your screen look like? Why would you do this to yes. me? Why would you make <laughs> me admit that I deliberately downloaded a pack that would make my computer look like it was Windows 98 again? Because that was a comforting time in my life and I understood the boxes that you clicked on and things oh. were in boxes and you didn't have to move your mouse to 800 sides of the screen to try and find your fucking calculator. 
You can defend it all you like. I will say, I, I will say that I did try to open both. I tried to open uh, Firefox on it, and it was like walking into the hellscape. It hated it. It hated it. <laughs> all of my programs hate it. But the thing is, I'm really used to them now. So what happens? I open a word processor, and everything is this like really light shade of blue with like neon green on it, and people are like, "What has happened?" And I'm like, "It's fine. It's normal. This is what it looks like." But like, it's not. That's not right. But yeah, but so but anyway, so anyway, um, I do the even even I at at my advanced advanced grandma age, even I can look at a modern computer screen. No, I don't like it. It's too new. But getting back to it, I uh, I do the editing. So any editing mistakes are on me. Um, I do the I do the soundscape. Um, in that I do the compositions that happen that aren't the main theme because I do just want to talk about the main theme very quickly. So the main theme was written by Rachel Graff. Um, It was completely composed by her, recorded. Uh, We had a couple of like, quote unquote, like workshops together where she would play a couple of themes and I'd be like, okay, that one, that one. And can you also do that one, but maybe a bit lower and sort of there. Um, And she put it together um, and it's absolutely amazing. And actually you can go to her website, which is Rachel Graff, R-A-C-H-E-L-G-R-A-F-F.com. She's got lots of other compositions as well. She just released an album called Sketching the Rain, which is amazing. It is so good. It's really atmospheric, but she did the main theme. It is amazing. Thank you so much. Um, And that is the one that I did not do because it's the best one. But a thing that I want to do with the music, and that comes up in the second episode, is to kind of indicate that it's not going to be just kind of quote unquote normal high fantasy by one of the tracks I did was basically a mix of like 80s synth wave and like Arctic dubstep put together to kind of like, yeah. To <laughs> I didn't know that was a genre of a thing. I'll be honest. They are all words. 80s. What is Arctic dubstep? You just fucking have a rager out in in the waste. Yeah, out in the you tundra. just get real fucking cold. Some... Me out in the tundra taking some ecstasy. Go and ham. No, listen. Arctic dubstep is just a barbecue in Scotland. Okay, I'm totally comfortable <laughs> in that atmosphere. <laughs> oh god, that's gonna play hell with your sound levels. I it's all right. I can make you quieter. That's the magic of editing. Um, but yeah, so Doritos Jew and Arctic dubstep. 80s vaporwave synth and arctic dubstep but i kind of wanted to indicate that like it's not all just going to be like a three-piece violin suite and some kind of imperial sounding drums i I do want to do different things with it um so i hope that you like the music and the background ambience are we gonna get um some lovely bouncy irish folk bouncing noises for taverns like (laughs) steerage on the titanic we will have to wait and see probably (laughs) probably this is this is actually a low tavern universe. <laughs> um. Well, that's fine. I'm a halfling. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, another thing to bring in. Um, so episode one. I don't know, like, if you guys have like listened to it yet, or like what order you're listening to these in. But episode one just goes for it. It just it's straight in there and it goes for it. And um, I recognise that like that could be confusing for people who are maybe listening. And go wait, is this episode one um but the reason that i wanted to just kind of go for it was because although we're doing a podcast and i'm editing it and putting in music and doing all of the post-production we're not professionals you can probably hear that in bits of mic quality and background noise and everything um and ultimately like this is a D game it's not scripted 
it's as scripted as any other D&D game is in that I have a plan and I hope that I can think quick enough when you guys deviate from the plan to make it kind of still work. Um, and so like a D&D game, I would want to just go for it. I think having 10 minutes of exposition at the beginning would really bog it down, make it really boring. And so I wanted to just start the game with a dice roll, constitution saving throw. We're going in for it. Um, and while I recognise that that can be confusing, I'm sure some people out there will really like that style. And there's an element of you can't please everyone. So if you did find it confusing and terrible, I'm really sorry. If you loved it, yay. I'm glad. <laughs> I, lo- I liked it as a beginner. Radio silence from Gary and Ed. That's fine. <laughs> I just realised I'm sweating a lot. <laughs> Are you nervous? Am I making you no. nervous? I don't know. I guess I'm just a sweaty guy. That's... To be fair, I suspect one of the reasons why I liked it a lot was that I rolled really low and got to wake up last. You got to kind of hear what was going on. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That might be a factor. Yeah, Tara waking up first immediately. Because I didn't give you guys any clues about what was going to happen in the first episode. I didn't didn't tell you guys how you were going to meet. I didn't say anything like, um, please be prepared to all go on an adventure together type thing. I just said, make characters, tell me who they are. And that's it. We have have a vague kind of... uh, trust it going on in that like if i lay down certain plot hooks you will hopefully kind of pick them up if they make sense in character you're not immediately going to peel off and be like right bye and kind of play like that level of chaotic but at the same time i'm not going to be pushing you into situations because again like i said it's all about choice for me and if i can't kind of keep you guys interested in together then that's sort of on me i feel i think one of the things that i found um interesting about the start was that because we'd done so much talking about um Nerium's background and the environment that she lived in and and where she was at the point where the story starts mm. that um to transplant her into this completely unfamiliar alien place um was kind of interesting because i remember the point at which uh, you said um what do you mean you've only got one dagger? Yeah. And I was like, I've only got one fucking dagger. I make dresses. What do you, I mean, you know, Melvin gave it to me and I have to carry it to keep him happy. I don't even use it. And I'm looking at these other two people next to me who both have swords and like armour and stuff and going, oh my God, I have no idea what's going on. And I think part of that was much easier to do because I wasn't sitting there going, oh, well, if, if they've got swords with them, I've I've probably got two daggers or whatever mm. because we talked to such um, an immersive extent about what she'd been doing like the day before mm. she woke up in this bizarre place. Yeah, it was it was really it was really interesting actually because I kind of I hadn't really thought about that when when Nerium was like, are they armed? Do they have swords? That when you play D and D, you kind of think everybody has a sword and can cast a cantrip, and that really summed up the kind of vibe that I wanted to go for. In that this is like a world with magic and wonders, but there are ordinary people, and and that kind of plays into the whole getting you guys to level one. So you guys start out at level zero. So we covered some stuff in your backstories. We had certain things like um, your certain proficiencies you had to kind of roll certain checks to be able to have basic proficiencies for your classes and your uh, species in them but you guys are kind of working from level zero to level one at the minute because you're still unlocking your abilities and things that you can kind of do and I wanted to give that sense of it's even level one is a big step above everyone else 
in terms of like normalcy in the world, which I'm sure is going to be really, really fun for me to balance later when you guys mm. inevitably get super fucking powerful as what happens in fifth ed. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was, I thought it was a really good and interesting, interesting thing. So I didn't have any backstory up to that. Like I, in our backstory sessions, we covered some stuff, but it was like, I have no, I know vaguely where that is in relation, like in time mm. to now, but it's not like I was there the day before. So I was like, oh, I literally have no idea how I got here at this point. Yeah, yeah. At the start. There's a couple of, because we did your 15 minute scenarios first. So it was still very much like, because Nerium, we did yours last, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely like arcs of how polished things are. And, and I think like both times Taro kind of like went first, which means that both times like uh, in the 15 minute scenarios and in the very first episode, I was kind of working out how to do things as well, uh, which means that like they're definitely probably a little bit shakier than the other ones. Um, but actually, that does remind me because I do need to to message you about a couple of things, uh, Ed Taro, before we record the next episode. It was definitely a, a executive choice to kind of just drop you all in the middle because I find it really frustrating oh. when you are suddenly thrown into like the middle of a story and people have like predetermined relationships and and Mm. things that you all kind of know about um and i find that quite disconcerting as a listener so i wanted to kind of put you guys on the same page as everyone else and like who are you where are (laughs) we what's happened um type Mm. thing so everybody has that sense of mystery in that I, I think I especially like that we, we don't know each other at the start mm, because yeah. I've always found it quite uncomfortable when you're dropped into a story and there's nobody for you to it feels like the people playing already have a set of relationships that have already been built on there's a context there that you don't get as a listener yeah. from day one Yeah, yeah. and I really wanted to, that is exactly it and I really wanted to bring in that sense of you guys started out all on the same place and the listeners are all also on that same place because like again without spoilers there are ways in which you guys are already interconnected um, in ways that you guys don't know about and won't know about for a while, I don't think. Um, but you don't know each other. And I always found that... I mean, that is literally one of the things that Nerium is currently thinking about. Like, what have I got in common with these two large armed magical people? Yeah. Large? Well, I, mean, I suppose every, to you. You are all very yeah. short. You are the high, the tallest of you. I know! You are both... The two tall people are quote-unquote five foot two each. And so <laughs> you you are both equal height and small. Hey, I've got horns. I've got big Actually, horns. Actually, that's true. Are you five two with the horns? No, without the horns. Oh, okay. Okay. So Taro's got a couple of inch of horn on you. Well... Oh, please. <laughs> please. Jesus. <laughs> You know what? Good, That's good a... God! How do you do it? How do you do it? I also a couple of inches. <laughs> a couple of inches. Excuse me. I believe I specified somewhere between half a foot and a foot. Okay. That was my. <laughs> You can brag. I mean, that's a lot of horns. You can brag all you want, Ed. <laughs> I'm very sorry. I didn't mean it in quite that same way. But you know what? That's probably a good point to wrap this up. Yeah. Thank you so much. For... What, wouldn't we just reach down into depravity? <laughs> yeah. I mean, roll around in the shitty mud of our yeah, lives. We just we just kind of showed our true colours there after being all fancy about ideals and lofty goals for a and d podcast. I don't think they were ever very well hidden. No, but, no, yeah. that's fair. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening and I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the, the story. Um, a little bit about our schedule is that 
the first three episodes and this one are all going to be released at the same time on our launch date then we will be releasing one a week for two weeks after that until there are five episodes in this and then we're going to go into one every two weeks after that because i work 40 hours a week i do another podcast and i also run another game and i play another games and i do not we do not have time to do a weekly one unfortunately not with the same levels of me being able to create the music and put things in and edit it as for social media we have a twitter uh which is the mortal path we have a wordpress themortalpath.com we have a facebook the mortal path on facebook and we also all have uh personal twitters so you can actually find me if you want uh, at uzbadyubi which is u-z-b-a-d-y-u-b-i uh i'm at 4423qq <laughs> That's nice and easy. Yeah. Good. Just, yeah, just download that number and just decode that for a little bit. You know, Does it mean something? To, it's an anime reference. Of course. <laughs> of course <laughs> it is. Sorry. My apologies. Of course it means something. And some cues because 4423 is too short for anywhere. Oh, okay. <laughs> just cues because. Mine, my Twitter handle is uh, Kitty Dorkling, which is K-I-T-T-Y. D-O-R-K-L-I-N-G. Very nice. I do not really do the Twitter. Um, however, uh, Natalia will be making a Twitter soon. You can follow Natalia's <laughs> Twitter, uh, which I am very excited about. We- I-, I should probably just make a note. Please do not follow me on Twitter. You don't want to. <laughs> just... <laughs> uh, that's fair. Listen, actually. Ed is like a slightly less relatable wint. So, like... Follow Ed with care because you will get less of the tweets, but the ones you do get will be very good. But most of them will just be incomprehensible. Don't look at them at work. It will just mostly be. There's a great bit about frogs, which was very good. Um, but other than that, it is vaguely indecipherable. Mine is just me vaguely complaining about where I live for the most part. So have fun with that. Mine has nothing on it yet. We're getting there. But <laughs> uh, we also are available on Podbean, iTunes and soundcloud i think that's about it from us for this we hope that you enjoy the next episode or the first episode or whatever or if you just listen to this then okay why enjoy just this however long of a thing that we haven't yet edited down see you later Thanks, guys. Get- <laughs> goodbye <laughs> bye 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 it's the worst <laughs> sign off the worst fucking sign off are we done to like end the recording